Amen. I'm so excited about today. I've uh, been away from the pulpit for a while, and uh, the team here at Calvary uh, uh, has been filling in and uh, as we've gone through the series on character and uh, noble character. I want to say thank you to everyone that participated at and prepared and preached. I mean, I was filled. I just want to thank the Lord and say thank you to all those that were a part of that. And uh, I'm going to be back in the saddle two weeks from t- today, and I'm really excited about a series that we're going to be starting August 10th. We're going to be going through uh, not uh, verse by verse or even chapter by chapter, but we're going to kind of hit the book of Daniel. We're going to be doing four messages on that, and I really want to encourage you to make sure that you show up, and it would really be great to go ahead and invite a friend, and uh, we're going to be talking about surviving and thriving in an ungodly culture. How do we do that? And and the book of Daniel just does a great job with that. But I'm excited about today. been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, uh, Gary Lindbergh is our guest speaker here today, has a unique ministry uh, to Cuba, and uh, as a liaison uh, for the churches, what's happening here in America and in Cuba. And you're going to hear something unique today, very exciting. And and uh, I, I want you to just take some good notes and listen with your heart here this morning. We're going to take an offering at the end of the service. I want to just let you know that. And I want you to just say in advance, okay, listen to what the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart when it comes to the giving of the offering here this morning. But with that being said, uh, uh, Gary Lindbergh is someone that is very special to me because he was my very first pastor, the the person that I worked for. He took a chance on me, uh, on a young family, uh, on June and Mike Rarick, and we had just a we had a baby that was about two months old, and uh, he took a chance on a guy that really didn't know anything about the ministry. I knew how to lead people to Jesus, but. Uh, didn't know what I was doing as a, as a youth pastor, and he was patient with me. And uh, it was we had seven years together. I was so thankful for him, and and had a great influence on my life. And so thankful for him. And this morning he's going to be our guest speaker. So would you give him a Calvary welcome here this morning, uh, Gary Lindbergh? God bless you. Come on up here and bring us God's word here today. Good morning. What a great day, isn't it? I am. Uh, I am. I too am excited to be here, because any chance I have to be able to share, first of all, with God's people, and, and to share what God's doing in the world today. How many know that God is definitely up to something? He's not just sitting around heaven doing nothing. He is up to something very special, and. And we get to, the, the great part of that is that we get to be a part of what God's doing. Amen. He allows us Amen. to partner in His kingdom work. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes. Well, uh, it's a joy to be here with Mike and June and their family. And, and uh, it just seems like every time I, I see something on Facebook, their family keeps expanding. And they just keep having kids. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not going to tell any stories today. Um, you'll have to do that in private. <laughs> um, it was funny. The very first time we met, we met. We had lunch together when Kelly was just a little one, and, and she screamed through the whole lunch time. Yeah, just screamed. 
And uh, I, 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 I should have taken that as a sign. But we went ahead and brought him on and we had a great time and it was a wonderful relationship. And I, one of the joys that I have, I, I spent 10 years uh, at our, our Bible college in the University of North, North Central University in Minnesota. And uh, so I saw a lot of young men and women come through the doors of that school to prepare for ministry. And uh, one of the joys that I have now is being able to travel throughout the nation and in many occasions be able to come to places like this where I can see young men and women who, have, who I've had uh, contact with, who my life has been part of their life, and now see how God has expanded their ministry and, and using them and blessing them and anointing them. And uh, that's, that's a joy that I have, and I, I, I look forward to that. Uh, as your pastor said, I have been involved in, in, the, in a work in Cuba. Uh, I got started in Cuba about six years ago <clears throat> when I was doing some work with one of our, our, our schools, Global University, which is the, the distance education arm of the Assemblies of God. And they had asked me to come and help them with some projects. And so I helped them with a project in, in uh, Vietnam. We also did a project in Iran, speaking of Daniel. and I mean, the uh, book of Daniel, I got to... One of the joys I had was I got to go and spend four days in Iran. Now that wouldn't be a joy today. <laughs> but, but one of the most ex- incredible places that I got to visit in Iran was a place called Persepolis. And Persepolis is an Old Testament city. And it was, it was built by King Darius. And it was the summer capital for the, for, uh, at that moment time. And it's a place where Daniel and Esther would have spent much of their time. And it was just as I stood there in the palace of Darius and looked out over that great expanse of this city that has been uncovered. And I, it just was amazing that I was standing in the very place where Daniel and Esther would have spent much of their time. That, that, would just, that just really seemed to get a hold of me at that time. And here it is in the heart of a place that is filled with evil. But that's where I, where I was at. But then, then a little bit later... Uh, we were asked to, Global was asked to come into Cuba and to, to establish a four-year degree program for training their pastors. And in a moment, you'll understand why this was such a desperate need in Cuba. And they asked me if I would lead this effort of establishing that. And so that was when I made my first trip into Cuba. And I, of all times, I had to go in in the month of July. You think it's hot here. Well, don't go into Cuba in July. But we had to go then. But we, we established this, this four-year degree program. And I can tell you that today, that, that program is up and, and doing well. And we have over 3,000 students enrolled in that program. But while I was there, I was sharing this with your pastor this morning. While I was there on a trip, I was taking some pastors in to, to ha- let them see what God was doing there. And, and as I was there, uh, the, the leadership, we were meeting with the national leadership of the church in Cuba, and, and they had just passed some new laws that allowed the people of Cuba to buy and sell property legally. Up until that moment, they had not been able to do that. And uh, 
in that moment, as I was sitting there with them, God just, you know, I'm not one of these guys, your pastor can tell, I'm not one of these guys that goes around saying, God told me, God told me, God spoke to me. I, I just, that's, maybe it's because I'm German. <clears throat> but probably, yeah, I think so. Well, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, and God, you know, when he speaks to me, most of the time he has to kind of smack me alongside the head first, just to get my attention. And, uh, but he did that, and he said, Gary, I want you to do this. I want you to be involved in this. And uh, I'm just sitting there with our missionary, Danny Rosario, who is in from Fort Lauderdale. And afterwards, we're, we, we left that meeting. And, and these, these men of God were just worshiping and, and weeping and saying, God's opened the door of opportunity for us here. And, and we've got to find a way to make this happen. And I walked out that door, and Danny and I were standing together. And he looked at me and he says, Gary, we've got to find a way to try to make this happen for them. Amen. And so I came home and told my wife. And she said, all right, really, okay. And uh, we prayed about it and decided that's what I should do. And so for the past three years, I've been involved in this project of helping the Cuban house church experience. And you're going to hear about that as I go through my, my message this morning. I want to, God has been doing, God has done some amazing things in Cuba. In 1959... Castro and his band of rebels started on the east coast of Cuba, out where a place called Baracoa, and Santiago de Cuba, and began to move through to the west with his band of rebels, and taking over that country and instilling a communist, godless experience in that country. Doing everything he could to eliminate any vestige of God in that country. And during that time, from 1959 to 1989, it was an incredibly dark time in the land of Cuba. I have, I have traveled the, that, that country and I have talked with most of our leaders. I have talked with pastors who went through the revolution, who have been through all the, this experience. And I've heard their, their testimonies of how they spent time in prison hard labor camps, churches were closed down. We had a small Bible institute in, in Cuba that was just a little little fledgling thing and it was, it was run by our, a missionary, Floyd Woodworth. They closed that down and, and then Castro came out with, a, with a, a headline in the newspaper one day and he said, there's still a CIA operation in, in Cuba and its main operative is Floyd Woodworth, who was our missionary. And so they, the next day, Floyd Woodworth was taken into house arrest and put under house arrest and, and surrounded by guards where nobody knew where he was. And the church feared for his life. And, and, um, but i got to tell you how God works. How many know that God works better than anybody else? And, and, and God, there were two little ladies in a, in a small church. In that moment of time, we had maybe a hundred churches in all of Cuba. Maybe. And they were all just small churches. Very simple people. And uh, two little ladies in one of these churches, <clears throat> they were praying for, <coughs> for Floyd Woodworth. Can I get that water that mine right there? They were praying for Floyd Woodworth. And, uh, and God gave this one lady a vision. And she saw this house surrounded by armed guards. And God, and God said, that's where they have Floyd Woodworth. After that, afterwards, she said, she's saying to her friend, I don't know what that means. I don't, I have, I don't recognize that house. 
But a few days later, she and her friend were out riding around somewhere. And lo and behold, they came right up to this house. And she said, that's the house of my vision. And so these two little ladies, two little grandmas, they go walking up to these armed guards that are surrounding this house. Now how many know you don't mess with the finger of a grandma? And this this little grandma puts her finger right in the nose of this armed guard and says, you've got Flood Woodworth in that house. And you need to let him go. Because he's a man of God. And this guard said, "How, how did you know? And she said, God told me he was in there. The next day, Floyd Woodworth was released from house arrest, but then he was deported and he never, he was never allowed back into Cuba again. But God spared his life. But during that time, many of our people were, it was a very dark time. The churches were closed. They were hanging on by their fingernails just to keep whatever faith they, they had in their lives and, and keep those small congregations together and because there was such abuse and such torment and such uh, oppression given to them. It was, it was similar in those, those years from 59 to 89. I, I relate it to that time of Israel being captive by Babylon. It was a very, very dark time. And if you remember the story of Moses when he was on the mountain in the fiery bush, and, 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 and God took him through this whole process of calling him to, 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 to free the people of, uh, of Israel. And he said to them, who shall I say has sent me? And God said, because here's what Moses was saying. Moses was saying, they don't trust that God from back there. They've lost faith in that God. They need a new God. And God said to them, tell them I am has sent you. Tell them the God who makes things happen has sent you. And if you'll tell them that, they will follow you. That's what was needed in Cuba. From 1959 to 1989. A difficult time. But the title of my message today is simply this. Then came Jesus. It starts in Matthew chapter 1. When you go through the genealogy of Jesus. And it comes to verse 16. And it says, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And if you'll let me paraphrase the next phrase. It says, then came Jesus. And I will tell you this morning, friends. I have learned over my years of ministry. That when Jesus comes, everything changes. In 1989... Jesus came to Cuba. A new God, the I Am, came to to Cuba. And during that time, in, in 1989, a revival began to sweep. And guess where the revival started? It was a sovereign move of God. There were no evangelists. There were no great crusades. There was no, there was no big coliseum filled with people. It was a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit that began in the East. Remember where Castro began? He began in the east. The Holy Spirit began in the east. And I just, I, I, my mind, you know, I, I, my mind doesn't always work like the normal person, but I just have a feeling that maybe God was up, up in heaven and he said to the devil, anything you can do, I can do better. You think that could happen? I think so. And this revival began to sweep from the east 
to the west with signs and wonders and miracles and healings happening all across that nation. On my first couple trips to Cuba, I began to hear these testimonies. And I was primarily in the Havana area in those trips. And, and our missionary Danny said, Gary, I can take you to any part of this island, any place on the island of Cuba, and you will hear the same testimonies because God was doing this all across the entire country of Cuba. What was happening? These little churches. I was just there in June. <coughs> and uh, I, I took the, 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 the guys I was with to a little, little place that's called <coughs> Premier Apostle. Premier Apostle is called, is, is a, means first steps. And it's one of the places where the revival kind of got its start because it was in these little churches that maybe ran less than 100, maybe 80, 60, 80 people. But in this little church, a premier apostle, to, yet today, to get to this church, you got to go out on a dirt road. It's out in a dirt road. And you come to this little church, and, and, and it's just a little place. And, and, and But Eduardo Gonzalez, who's our superintendent of that area, he said he was there during that time. And he said, I will tell you that they had church. You're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna not like this. They had church. They had six services a day. Seven days a week. How tough you've got it. You come once a week. Twice if you're really spiritual. But here's what was happening. The word had gotten out that every person that pastor prayed for got healed. Every person he prayed for got healed. No pressure, Pastor Mike. <clears throat> and, and, and Eduardo Gonzalez said that in every one of those services, there would be a thousand or more people standing out in that dirt road in front of that little building that would seat maybe 80 people. <clears throat> and they got to the point where they would have to give out numbers for people to take numbers for, so they would know when it was their turn to come and have their ha, be prayed for. One of the stories, one of the accounts that was shared with me. That four miles away from Premier Apostle was a little town called Vegas. And in this case, I can tell you that what happened in Vegas didn't stay in Vegas. But there was a, there was a man and his wife who had a, a crippled daughter. She had been had a withered leg from birth. She had never walked in her life. They, one night they carried her four miles. <clears throat> on these dirt roads, they carried her to Premier Apostle to have her prayed for. When they got there, the, of course, the crowds were there. They had to wait their turn. And they were seeing all these different healings taking place, all the miracles that were taking place. And so finally, it was their turn. They brought their daughter up to the pastor. And, they, and, and he began to pray for them. And he prayed for this little girl. And they prayed for this little girl. And lo and behold, she did not get healed. This, this mom and dad, of course, were crushed. They were, they, they were saying, Pastor, what's the problem? Everyone you've prayed for, we've watched tonight. Everyone you've prayed for got, has gotten healed. What's, what's the problem? This, this old pastor, all he was doing was just doing what God's telling him. He didn't know. He said, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't understand myself. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. Broken hearted, they carried their heart. They carried their little daughter four miles 
back to their home, laid her back in her bed, and went to bed weeping themselves. Only to be awakened about two in the morning by the screams of their daughter. They rushed into her room to see what was the problem. And they said, what's happening, son, daughter? She said, mommy and daddy, there was a man dressed in white standing by the end of my bed. And he, and he reached down and he touched me. He says, I, I think I can walk. And she jumped out of bed, completely healed by the power of God. <clears throat> there, were some, there were amazing things happening during this revival. I, people were raised from the dead. In fact, I'm, I'm having lunch with the superintendent of the Central District on Monday. He's here in the States. And I've gotten to be close friends with he and his wife. His wife was a doctor. I don't have time to tell you the story this morning. But, but I've, I've, had, I've sat with them and they've shared with me this account. They're very humble people. And they're not, they, don't, they don't broadcast this that, a lot. But this, his wife died on the, in the hospital. She was a doctor. She, she died and was dead for 40 minutes. And when he got to the hospital and he walked in, he said, all I could do, they'd already covered her up. He said, all I could do was lay my hand on her and say, God, give her life. God, you promised, give her life. He said, after 20 minutes, that's all, those are the only words that he could get out of his mouth. After 20 minutes, life came. The nurses ran out of the room screaming. Doctors came in, began to attend to her. And within 30 minutes, she was back, standing on her feet, completely whole. Not one thing wrong with her. Now, here's the great part of this. When that happened, they were not in ministry. Now he is a superintendent of one of our districts, and she heads up women's ministries for all of Cuba. How many know that when God does things, sometimes it's kind of weird? Does God ever do strange things? One of the things that happened... Oh man, i got to hurry. i got to I got to hurry. But i got... See, I, that's the problem I have. There's just so many things that have happened in Cuba. One of the things he was doing during this revival, he was filling teeth. What? In fact, our missionary was even saying, he said, Gary, I, I heard about this. I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I didn't. I said, why would God? So he said, I had to go to Cuba and, and, and see what was going on. And, and in fact, in fact, they had the Communist Party had put big billboards up mocking, mocking this, this phenomenon. They had stick figures with a guy with his mouth wide open like this and a tooth coming down from heaven, from the sky. Well, that, they, they, they thought they were mocking the revival, but all they were doing was giving it free advertisement. <clears throat> but you see, what was happening was there was a pastor there who, kept, who began to get very vocal because God had filled a, 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 a tooth of his. And he said, it's cosmic filling. This is not human filling. It's cosmic. And, and it, long story short, the government finally came because he was making, he was getting pressed in the paper. They came and said, we want to check out that tooth. They took him into their dentist and began to drill into this filling and they broke three drills. And they said, we want to take that tooth and have it. <clears throat> they, they, pulled the, <coughs> they pulled the guy's tooth. <coughs> and and uh, sent it to their labs. And after months of, of looking at it and checking out, they came back and said, this is no substance that we have any record of. And the guy said, I told you it was cosmic. Well, here, though, friends, is the greatest sign of the revival. 
Signs and wonders are not the signs of revival. The true sign of revival is people coming to know Christ and the church growing. I told you in 1989 we had a total of 100 churches in all of Cuba. Well, here's what happened. These, these, these churches were having these big crowds that were gathering, <coughs> clogging up the streets, screwing up commerce. The government said, you can't do this anymore. You're messing things up. You're going to have to disperse these people into homes. They're going to have to go meet in homes. Once again, the Communist Party thought if they could disperse these people, it would kill the revival. Guess what? It did the exact opposite. It, the, the revival began to spread like fire ants. No one ever said communists were smart. So we have now, from 89, we now have over 8,000 churches in Cuba. Just the Assemblies of God. <clears throat> that doesn't count the Methodists and the Baptists who also got in on that revival. In fact, the new Methodist bishop is spirit-filled. So it's an amazing thing that's going on. But we have over 8,000 churches. 75% of those are house churches. Why? Because the government's... But, but our leadership said, we, you want us to meet in houses. Can you make that... Can you put that in writing for us? So the communist government wrote out a decree and a law that made it legal for them to meet in homes. I told you, they're not real smart sometimes. <laughs> So we now have over 8,000 churches in Cuba. 75% of them are house churches. Now I know sometimes we think about a house church being 30, 40, 50 people. Maybe. But most of the house churches I preach in, have, when I walk in, there's 150, 200 people there waiting for us. It's an incredible thing. Let me show you some pictures. Pictures are better than me talking anyway. This is a house that we, we were able to purchase. So, so what God had called us to do is to help the church to purchase homes and to purchase properties to solidify the house church movement in Cuba because it is the lifeblood of the church. Why? Because they don't have cars. The average worker makes $16 a month. A doctor makes $37 a month. So when we talk about them not having cars or not having money, I can uh, this house in, in, in uh, Morello, Cuba... I bought this house, I helped them buy this house for $5,000. You can't even build a garage here for $5,000. But for those people, it might as well be 500000 But we were able to help them and come alongside of them. And now this, this is part of the congregation that now has a permanent place to worship the Lord and to build the kingdom and to affect their community. <clears throat> this is a house in Bedoa. I was just there in June. This, I was excited about this. We bought this house for 5000 as well. And that pastor... The pastor of this church is a is a, a gynecologist, and he has delivered almost every baby in Bedou. Now, I was so excited because when I got there, I didn't realize they had already started to plan for expansion. They're growing so much that they're built. They're going to build outside. This is what they do a lot. They're going to they're going to pour a slab out there. They're going to put a half a, some cement block wall up and a, and a metal roof and build like a big carport. And they'll put 150, 200 people in that facility. That's, that's going to be an amazing church. This guy's doing a great job. This, this, this guy. A year ago, I was in Havana. And they took me over to see. This is Pastor Frank. And this lot, you can see, it was just a, just a, it's a corner lot. In a great area of Havana. 
kitty corner from this lot is a church, but this church is a church of Santeria, which is witchcraft. What a great place to have a church, huh? Might as well be close to them. And so he, they had this, we were able to help them finish purchasing this lot. And they had a temporary facility, like a temporary type building thing that they had at another location, but it wasn't theirs. They didn't own it. So they were going to have to move it. And, and, and so I was there just in June and look what, look what they have now. That church on Sunday mornings has 600 people plus there. In one year they got that all done. I, I was so excited. This guy is so sharp. And uh, that's he and his family there. And uh, while we were there, we went to a place called Bizaran. Bizaran, this, this pastor and his family had pastored a church on the coast. And uh, the storms came. And they it, the, the, totally wiped out the coastal area. So the government moved these people to a basically a ghetto. In fact, we couldn't even go see where they lived because they wouldn't allow us there. But he and his wife and two teenage daughters have been living in a one-room place and they share a community bathroom for nine years until the government sometime finally finds them a house that they can move into. But instead of moping around and saying, woe is me, he started a church right here. And then he went out a few miles from there and he started the second church in, in Bizaran. And uh, we're going to help him buy this house for $4,500. And they're going to plant a new church. So he will have planted two churches since he's been there. That, that's what God is doing in, in Cuba. Now I want to show you a church, a, a, a building. Uh, it, this is in a place called Ciego Diavolo. <clears throat> this this uh, house, we're, we want to buy this house for $6,000. Now, now this is a great opportunity for us. And your pastor has <clears throat> asked me to to kind of put this out for there for you today. <clears throat> we can buy this house for $6,000. They've already started meeting there. They, they, put, they put like, a, uh, but the district put like $1,000 down on it to, to hold it. <clears throat> They've already started meeting. They already have 45 people there. Already have 45 people meet. But this is the full plan. This is going to be a house church. But here's a lot that's part of this property behind the house. And then on this lot... We want to build a church. In Cuba, they call freestanding churches temples. We're not Jewish, but they're, but they're called temples just to, to identify them from house churches. And so the, the, the goal is for $6,000, we can buy this house, plant a church in an area that's great, huge population, but has no church, and, and then eventually be able to build a building in this back lot. So that's a, this is a great, great opportunity for us. And this is the, the church planter and his family. Talented people. He's a hard worker and they are doing a great job there. This is another house that we're able to buy. And uh, we went in there and looked at this facility and we can buy this one for about 4500 to $5,000. And uh, this is another church planter. He and his wife have planted a great church there, but they have no permanent place to worship. And, and that's what we're all about, is trying to give them a permanent place to worship. And that's because Jesus came. Now I want to throw out another opportunity for you. <clears throat> I think your pastor needs to go to Cuba. But I think he needs to bring a team. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you to consider that as a church. 
In, in February, I'm taking a team from Wisconsin. In, in March, I'm taking a team from Wisconsin. We're going to do some construction there. The, the, the pastors I took in June, they want to bring a team next year in the, in the fall. And I got another team that wants to go from uh, Arizona. So, and these are, these are churches who have all of them have already bought, helped me to buy a, a, a house or property in Cuba. Now they're taking a team over there to do some construction work. It's going to be awesome. So I want to, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to, to, to think about that and give that some real consideration. <clears throat> I want to introduce you to a couple of my friends. <clears throat> I'm going to be done here in 10 minutes. <clears throat> you believe that when a preacher says that? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. He learned from me. <clears throat> this is my friend Daniel Rivera. Remember when Jesus... I don't have really time to preach my message this morning. <laughs> You're going to have to kind of get it by osmosis. But Jesus came. The Apostle Paul said he came to save those who were lost, of whom I am the worst. Aren't you glad that Jesus can save the worst? Some of us have fit into that category. Jesus came down off the mountain and he found two demon-possessed men in the Gadaria. And he cast the demons out set them free, gave them new life. Danny Rivera, <clears throat> I met him on my first trip to Cuba. Amazing young man, lives in the most humble place. When I met him, he had one room for he and his wife and his three children. Over the course of the next few years, I, a couple of years, I helped him with a, a little money to help improve his home a little bit. I was there two years ago. And I was out visiting him in his home with some pastors, and I said, Danny, what do you, what do you need? How are you doing? He said, I'm doing good. He said, I'd like to put a, build an addition, additional room onto my house so I could have a, my kids could have a bedroom. They, they didn't have their own bedroom. I said, so how much will it cost you to, put, to do that, Danny? He said, you know, I could probably do that for $500. I said, get it done. My wife and I, we're going to buy that. We're going to pay for that. See, every time I come back from Cuba now, my wife asks me, so what do we buy this time? Because <laughs> she knows I'm just a soft touch, man. I just, I just can't, I can't stand that. And so I gave him the $500. This last time I was there, went out to see Danny. His kids were in school and he said, my son wanted to stay home from school today. I saw this, this room he'd built, had bunk beds in it. It was awesome. He said, my kid wanted to stay home from school because he, wanted to, he, wanted, he just wanted to stay home from school so he could tell Pastor Gary thanks for his bedroom. That kind of makes things worth it, doesn't it? <clears throat> Danny Rivera was the town gangster. He was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and he was demon-possessed. But then Jesus came. And Jesus changed his life. And now he's no longer the teen, town gangster. He's the town pastor. And he has planted four churches. Four. Last time I was there, we preached in his church. 
the kind of his main congregation on Sunday morning, there were 300 people there. He has three other congregations that both all of them run over 100. Not bad for a town gangster. I want you to meet Pastor. I want you to meet Pastor Walter. <clears throat> Had the privilege of preaching in his church in June. Walter, remember, remember when Jesus walked through the, the city and, and there was this little guy up in a tree? We call him Zach. And Jesus walked down the street and he said, Hey, Zach, get down out of the tree. Because today salvation has come to your house. Walter was part of the secret police, the most feared group of people in all of Cuba, even today. First time I was there, I, his mother <clears throat> began to share the testimony of her son. She said, my son had a heart of stone. He could take a man's life and not think one thing of it. He had no feeling. But then Jesus came. And he said, Walter, get out of that tree. Because today salvation has come to your home. And I have known Pastor Walter for the past five years. And I will tell you that he is one of the most sweet, soft, tender, amazing men you will ever meet. And we helped him to be able to build a, a, a sanctuary on a second level on top of his mom and dad's home where they had been. The first time I preached for him, we were meeting in their home, in the kitchen, in the bedroom. In the, they were, people were all over, outside looking in the windows. There were 150 people there on Sunday. Now they have this, this sanctuary you see is standing in. You, that's the platform area, actually. <clears throat> and they have 250 people there every Sunday. Why? Because Jesus came. Let me introduce you to one of my dear friends, Juan Emilio. I met Juan Emilio the first time I went to Cuba. <clears throat> I remember in the scripture, in the gospels where Jesus came. And a leper came and knelt before him. And he said, if you're willing, you can touch me. Jesus was willing, and he touched him and made him whole. Juan Emilio was part of the Communist Youth Party, deep in communism. He had a sweetheart, was planning to get married, but then he contracted full-blown AIDS. And in Cuba, if you have AIDS, you're quarantined in the hospital. He wasn't allowed to marry his sweetheart because he had AIDS. While he was in the hospital, somebody came and shared the Lord with him. And he gave his heart to Christ. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was called to preach in the, in the hospital. And he said, Lord, you've called me to preach, but I'm quarantined. And Jesus said, so? So he started preaching in the hospital. Doctors got saved. AIDS patients got saved. Not all of them lived, but they got saved. And every week they would take blood tests of all the patients to see how the AIDS virus was progressing in their body. And one day they came to Juan Emilio and said, Juan Emilio, we're not sure what's going on here, but, but we can't find the AIDS virus in your blood to this week. Eight more weeks. Every week they came back and said, Juan Emilio, 
We're not sure what's going on, but we can't find the AIDS virus in your blood anymore. After 10 weeks, they finally said, Juan Emilio, you can go home. You don't have AIDS anymore. Juan Emilio was able to go and marry his sweetheart. Now he's one of the rising leaders in the church in Cuba. He's got an incredible church, and we just helped him to buy a new house, or a, a home, in, a house in Cuba. And they're beginning to expand it because, you see, Juan Emilio's church runs well over 500 people right now. That's what God has called us to do. And it's because of churches like this. And people. God speaks into their heart. Said, we can make a difference. We can make an impact. Because when you are able to help us buy a church or buy a house or buy a property, you're not just buying a house, you're planting a church. You're providing a place for people to have a permanent place to worship where they can affect their community for the cause of Jesus Christ. And that's what they're doing. Why? Because Jesus came. And when Jesus came, He made everything happen. And He's making it happen in Cuba today. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray that Your Spirit would just come and speak to us. Lord, you have called us to do some amazing things. We don't have all the answers, but we know this. You do. You know exactly what needs to be done, and you know exactly how it will get done. Lord, you are the supplier of everything we have need of. And God, I pray today, if there are people here in this place this morning who who need for you to come their way, and say to them, today salvation has come to your house, Lord, let them be willing to receive that from you today. And I pray, God, that you will help us as we endeavor to do something special in the land of Cuba where your Holy Spirit is moving in ways that some of us have never seen before. God, thank you for the ability we have to come alongside of these amazing people and say, here, let us give you a hand. So, Lord, I just pray that your Spirit will speak to us right now. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Gary. Wow, what a what a, an incredible, incredible story we heard here this morning. Calvary, I'm going to ask you to consider two things here this morning. First of all, I want to just speak to the men. Uh, I want you to consider uh, praying about going to Cuba with me. I'm planning on going. And uh, and if you happen to have any skill in the area of working with your hands, uh, I can paint with the best of them. Other than that, I'm, in, I'm a lost cause. But, or, uh, but I want to go. It, pardon me? We don't have a date yet, but we'll get that to you. Second of all, uh, I want to just appeal to everyone here this morning about helping to plant a church for 6000 bucks. In fact, we'll probably, I, I want to, right away, and then maybe another one in 2015, the one that we go ahead and help build, be a part of that. And so uh, we have an opportunity, uh, and I believe it can happen today. Uh, and if it doesn't, that's okay. But uh, I, I, between uh, uh, the 830 church and the 1030 church, as people are led by the Holy Spirit, uh, I believe that that can happen. And so I'm going to ask that you would just uh, 
consider sowing into this is not this is not sandy uh you know dry soil this is fertile soil and uh and i think there uh, just it, it it's been in my heart to see churches planted we had an opportunity uh to be a part of planting a church in africa and i think we have a wonderful opportunity to plant a church in cuba and to be a part of what god is doing and, and to be a partner uh, with this work. And so I'm going to ask that you would just consider and be led by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray, and I'm going to just ask that you would go ahead, and uh, we're going to pass the buckets. Uh, if you write a check out, write it out to Calvary Church. Uh, the totality of this offering is going to go towards this church. And so uh, uh, we're just going to believe that God's going to do a wonderful work. And so let's pray this morning. And Father, we thank you for the word that we heard here this morning. And God, I'm asking that what you're doing in Cuba, Lord, signs and wonders and healings, but especially those who are coming to know you, people getting saved. God, I'm asking you to do that in Citrus County. God, not to overlook us. But Lord, we want to go ahead and say thank you so much, Lord God, for the sovereign work, Lord, that you are doing in the nation of Cuba. Lord, we thank you, God, for, for the people that have been saved, God, filled with your Holy Spirit, healed in bodies, Lord. We thank you, God, for leaders, people that were, Lord, anti-God, Lord, who have come to love you, Lord, and lead others to you, God. We, we thank you, Lord, for your marvelous work, God. And, Lord, there's still much work to do, Lord. And, and, Father, we're asking, God, that you would bless, Lord, continue to bless the nation of Cuba, Lord God. We're asking, God, that you would continue to, Lord, raise up leaders, God, and pastors, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. And, Father, we're asking that you would continue to send your spirit, God. We pray, God, for the government leaders there, God. We're asking, God, for dreams and visions, Lord God, to come their way, God. We're, we're praying, God, even the most hardened, Lord, evil men, Lord God, killers, Lord God. We're asking, God, that you would have mercy upon them, Lord, as you had upon Paul, Lord, who described himself as the chief amongst sinners, God. That, Lord, that there would be a, a continued revival, Lord, of saving of souls in the nation of Cuba. And so now, Lord, today, we come and we say yes to you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord. And God, as we, Lord, come to sow a seed, God, we thank you for this opportunity. And God, we're praying, God, that a, that a mighty church, God, would come forth in this community, Lord. Father, Lord, it will literally touch everyone here in that community with the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus, God, would come in such a powerful way. People would have a place to come and gather and to worship you together, Lord. So, Lord, we come and we present this offering to you. God, we pray that you would bless it and multiply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.